grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. This is the first Sunday in Lent, and we gather together uh, during this Lenten season, which is a 40-day period. We do so always looking to the cross of Christ. And with that in mind, let us begin our worship service, and God bless your worship. For this first Sunday in Lent, our first reading is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 26, beginning at the fifth verse. The book of Deuteronomy is really made up of three sermons that Moses himself gave to the people of Israel before they went into the land of Canaan. So in a nutshell, you could say that Deuteronomy was really his farewell address. Then you will respond and say, in the presence of the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt and lived there as an alien with just a few people. But there he became a great, strong, and populous nation. The Egyptians mistreated and afflicted us. They imposed hard labor on us. We cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice, and he saw our affliction, our labor, and oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and with great awe-inspiring acts and signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now look as I bring the first fruits of the soil that you have given me, Lord. Then set the basket down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 10, beginning at the second half of verse 8. The Lord is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. Certainly, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the, for it is with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and it is with the mouth that a person confesses, resulting in salvation. For Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So there is no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord is Lord of all, who gives generously to all who call on him. Yes, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He did not eat anything during those days. When they came to the end, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The devil led him up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil told him, I will give you all this power and glory 
of these kingdoms because it has been entrusted to me and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here because it is written he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And they will lift you up in, with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it says, you shall not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the gospel of Luke chapter 4 beginning at the first verse. I'd like to read this once again. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He did not eat anything during those days, and when they came to an end, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The devil led him up, to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil told him, I will give you all this power and the glory of these kingdoms because it has been entrusted to me and I will give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, because it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and they will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it says, you shall not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, since we are a liturgical church following the season of the church here, we have just gone from the Epiphany season last Sunday to now entering into the Lenten season. In the Epiphany season, the emphasis was on who is Jesus? Jesus being the Son of Man and Son of God. In the Lenten season, we focus on what Jesus has done for us. And at the heart of what he has done for us is the cross, where he suffered and died to pay for the sins of the world. It was an atoning sacrifice for us all. So as we enter into this Lenten season, we do so knowing that it is actually a 40-day period. And you may be curious of why 40 days for the season of Lent? Oh, there could be any number of reasons given, especially if you want to base it on a Bible passage, because you hear that phrase, 40 days and 40 nights, over and over and over again. In fact, you hear the phrase not just in the Old Testament, but you will hear it in the New Testament as well. 
Some, because of hearing about this 40-day period, have wondered if the 40-day period is really 40 days. Or maybe is it the Hebrew way of saying that it's a long period of time that will come to an end. I am one who believes and teaches that when the Lord says 40 days, I find nothing in the context to suggest anything more or less than 40 days. 40 days. Therefore, you could pick any number of the 40 days found in the Holy Scriptures, but really Lent is based on our text. The 40-day period refers to Jesus after his baptism being led by the Holy Spirit under the Father's plan into the wilderness where he will face Satan and battle with Satan and against all his temptations for a 40-day period. And therefore, because of this, the first Sunday in Lent, traditionally, is the three temptations of Jesus by Satan as found in the Gospels. We consider the words of Luke chapter 4. And as we consider these words, there is something you have to understand and know in, our, in order to understand any of this that Jesus endured in our behalf. That just as Jesus is real and not a figment of anyone's imagination, he's not based on some fairy tale that has been handed down in years past. Just as Jesus is real, so Satan is also real. We do not know a lot about Satan, but what we know from the Holy Scriptures, not based on speculations, we know that he was an angel that had turned against God. God didn't make him to be an evil angel, but he was an angel that certainly turned against God and, and all the fellow angels that joined him that are called demons. The angel fought against God and was cast out of heaven. We always got to keep in mind that just as God made mankind, he also made the, the angels. They're just spirit. They don't have a body like we do. Therefore, they can't give birth and have children. But in knowing this, we have to keep in mind that these angels were not like puppets on a string. And they were certainly not robots controlled by remote control. God gave them a, a certainly a holy will. But Satan went against that will and went against God. The word Satan actually means enemy. He is an enemy of God and therefore really an enemy of mankind. But in our text, the word Satan is not used. Instead, it is the word devil. And the word devil in the original Greek language is actually where we get our English word diabolical from. Diabolical and puts the emphasis on the fact that Satan is a liar. In fact, Jesus himself calls him the father of lies. And he certainly used those lies as he tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In fact, how he tempted them is not much different than how he tempted Jesus. Consider the words here of the devil. 
if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. In the Garden of Eden, the first words that are recorded in the Holy Scriptures coming out of the mouth of Satan was when Satan told Adam and Eve, did God really say you should not eat from this tree? Trying to create doubt and trying to create hopelessness in God's word and God's love. And so you could easily turn this condition here into a question as well. Are you really the son of God? Then tell this stone to become bread. Notice when Satan is attacking, he attacks Jesus where he's the most vulnerable. He has spent 40 days of fasting as he's been praying and battling with Satan in this wilderness. The majority of that battle is not recorded in scripture, but these three episodes are, which all took place at the end of that 40-day period. And Jesus, extremely hungry, because he is the Son of Man, Satan would use against Jesus. All you have to do is turn this stone into bread. How simple it is. He would satisfy his needs. Well, first of all, he would be obeying Satan instead of trusting in his father and the father's plan for him when it came to our salvation. And in addition, he was, Satan was offering Jesus, well, take an easy way out. Just simply turn this stone into bread. Just obey me. I'm your God. I know what's best for you. This temptation had to be extremely hard to face. And Satan is relentless. But also know that what's on the line, it wasn't just just Jesus turning stone into bread, and you could say, well, that's not really a big deal. No, what's on the line is our eternal salvation. If Jesus sinned just once, if you break just one of his commands, you've broken all of them. Just one little sin, one no big deal sin in the eyes of Satan as he was tempting Jesus would mean that he would not be a holy savior offering his holy life as a sacrifice for sins, that means he would become a sinner, couldn't be our savior. And the punishment of sin is death. Our salvation is on the line. And it was certainly on the line when Satan went to the next temptation. He goes and puts him up on a high mountain to go see the entire world and to see all the glories of the kingdom, all its power and authority. Satan says that he has the authority to give this to Jesus, and he will give it to him. All he has to do is bow down and worship him. That's it. How simple it is. And you can have it all. And wouldn't you want to have it all? Isn't that where happiness is found, in having it all? Even Jesus himself would say, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Satan telling Jesus to worship him was the breaking of the very first commandment, which says, you shall have no other gods. 
Once again, let me be your God. Let me be the one to decide what is best for you. You can have all these kingdoms. He, even Satan, offered that to Adam and Eve. Not necessarily the kingdoms, but offered when he said to them, you will not surely die. God doesn't want you to be like him. That was a flat-out lie. This is a flat-out lie. But how enticing it must have been for Jesus, the Son of Man and Son of God. Because if he would go and take all the kingdoms of the world, which Satan couldn't offer, then that means he didn't have to go to the cross. He would get an easy way out to face the cross or all the glories and wealth of the world. Which one would you choose? How enticing it may have, must have been to face death, death and suffering and even God's wrath over sin on the cross. Remember how he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he would have to do this all for us or avoid it all. Well, when that didn't work, he took him up on a high pinnacle of the temple. According to a, a Jewish historian, he was Roman, named Josephus, or on behalf of the Romans, he wrote the Jewish history. He describes that Jesus was placed up on the highest point of the temple, which was right by the Kidron Valley, and supposedly this drop was like 450 feet. If you jumped off, it means you're dead. And whether it was really that far or not, it, it must have been very deadly, especially when Satan even quotes scripture to Jesus and says this from Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and they will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It's in God's word. We follow God's word. We should jump off because God will send his angels to protect us. Isn't that according to God's word? Satan was quoting the scriptures. In fact, some will say that he actually was misquoting it because there's, he, he missed three words where it says, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. Here in the Hebrew verses here also has the words in all your ways. See, he's, he's subtracting from God's word. That, that means immediately he's, he's misusing God's word. That's sinful. That's wrong. But isn't that simple? That Satan was just simply adding or subtracting from God's word? No. What Satan was doing was misusing God's word. He was changing the meaning of God's word to make it say what he wanted it to say. And no one has the right to do that with God's word. My dear friends, notice how Satan is attacking. He really appeals to one's nature. And you and I being by nature sinful human beings because of the original fall into sin in the Garden of Eden, he appeals to that. He appeals to be selfish, to think of yourself, to look to yourself. 
And we hear this constantly, even tempted ourselves to think this way. It's my body. I can do with it what I want. It's my life. I can do it with, with it what I want. I'm entitled to my feelings. And you have no right to tell me otherwise. Because I can do whatever I want. I'm my own God. I make what's best for me. And it is so tempting to think that way and follow that unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Constantly being tempted to do that because it's so intriguing and it is so tempting. Thinking, yeah, what about me? Why can't it be about me? My dear friends, when Satan was attacking Jesus, we hear of each of these temptations because he wasn't winning. When he was tempting Jesus, Jesus fought back, but he didn't use his divine power. He could have performed a miracle. He is the Son of God. He could have opened up the ground and, and let it suck Satan into it. He could have struck Satan down by lightning. But he didn't do that. Or maybe, like Star Wars, he could have came after him with a lightsaber. But he did come after him with a sword. Yes, he did. And it wasn't any man-made sword. He came after Satan with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And there is nothing in all this world more powerful than the Word of God, that sword of the Spirit. Three times he will quote from Moses' farewell address, which was clearly written through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When he was asked to turn stone into bread, he would reply, It is written, you, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word of God. These words were spoken in connection with the time when the people of Israel were going into the desert and into the wilderness. This was at the time when they were hungry and they were crying to God for help, and he sent down to them manna from heaven. And then, there, and then these words came, that God had them face his test because he wanted them to understand that man does not live on bread alone, that he lives on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And when he was up on that mountain and shown all the glories of all the kingdoms, oh, Satan would tell him to just bow down and worship him. And Jesus would reply, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him. It is written. And then when he was up on the high pinnacle and, and, and was told to jump off to prove that he is the son of God, and Jesus would say, it says, you shall not test the Lord your God. He actually used scripture to interpret scripture, which I find fascinating because we're living in a day and age where the philosophy is out there that because there's so many different churches and Christian churches, they all have their different ways of interpreting and therefore, which one do you pick? Which one is really right? One interprets this way, one interprets it that way, one practices it this way, one practices it that way, which is right. 
Many people will even give up their Christian faith believing, well, they're all right. You believe what you want, and I'll figure out what I'll believe what I want. But that's not what Christ did. He used Scripture to interpret Scripture. There isn't all different kinds of ways to interpret the Bible. There is only one way. Using those easier passages to explain the harder ones. Don't take God's word out of context. Understand it in the light of how it was used. Otherwise, you could twist and turn God's word and make it say whatever you wanted it to, it to say. And for those passages that it is beyond our understanding, we accept with a believing heart, knowing that that faith is a gift of God who calls us to trust taking God at his word. This is the only way to understand the Holy Scriptures. And the only way we must be founded as a Christian church. Because Scripture isn't founded on what you think it says. It's founded on what God actually does say. One of the most popular ways of interpreting the Bible is people, and I hear this constantly, well, I interpret what God does based on how he answers my prayers. Which means, I'll think what God wants, or I'll think what God thinks, and that is what God thinks. But that's not what God's word says. Take to heart that word, my dear friends. Learn it and learn it well. This word of God, this sword of the Spirit, is powerful. It can do what nothing else in all the world can do. It can move a heart that's hurting and suffering, and it gives hope and peace to the very soul that yearns for forgiveness and eternal life, because what's at the heart of that word is the cross of Jesus Christ. So arm yourself with that word. Because not even Satan himself can stand up to that word. He's the father of lies. But God's word is the truth. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.